Have you ever wondered if God really loves you? Have you ever had doubts about that? Maybe you've uh, been in a situation and you've said to yourself, you know, I, I, I keep screwing up, keep doing the same thing over and over. Can God really love me? Does he really love me or will he reject me? Have you ever said to somebody else, maybe to God, things like, you know, I really mean it this time. I'm going to get serious. I'm starting over. I'm turning over a new leaf. Uh, things are going to be different this time. And yet you find yourself in the same old ruts, same old habits, same old patterns, same old you. Well, today we have two scripture passages, Psalm 130 and Isaiah 55, that have something to say to those questions in that situations. Uh, today we're going to be looking at... Um, in hearing that God hears our cries when we find ourselves in a deep, dark place, we're going to see that God offers us forgiveness and grace and love, and that God invites us to a deep, renewing, long-term relationship with His Son Jesus Christ. And after we do that, we're going to we're going to celebrate together. We're going to come to the table, accept Jesus' invitation, and come and eat and drink. So let's begin with Psalm 130. Out of the depths, I cry to you, Lord. So right from the start here, we can relate, can't we? I mean, who has not had the experience of crying out to God when you find yourself in a, in a tough spot? A relationship has fallen apart. Uh, things aren't going well uh, with your health or work. Uh, you're, you're bottomed out, you're down and you're depressed, and you cry out to God. Out of the depths, I cry to you, Lord. You know, when I hear that phrase, I certain imagery comes to mind. I think of a deep, dark cave where, you, where you're lost and there's no flashlight, no guide, no way to find your way out, out of the depths. I think of the ocean and you're far, far below the surface and you're sinking fast and you're running out of air and the rope that goes to the surface, you've lost it, you can't find it. Out of the depths, I cry to you, Lord. When I hear this, I think of the times when I've screwed up. And when I felt ashamed or frustrated with myself, unworthy, and I wondered, what's the point of trying? I am what I am. That's a dark, lonely place to be. Out of the depths, I cry to you, Lord. King David knew what it was to be in the depths. Scripture tells us he knew the shame and guilt of committing adultery. He knew the shame and guilt of arranging for the death and murder of a trusted and loyal soldier. He knew the agony of, of a son who rebelled against him and in the process lost his life in that rebellion. He knew what it was to lose one's way spiritually and stray from the path that he knew was the right one. For I know my transgressions, he says in Psalm 51, and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. I waited patiently, he says in Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me. He heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. This makes me think of growing up on the farm. We had a, a milk cow and, and several horses in a, in a kind of a pen next to the barn. And, of course, all it was just basic dirt because they ate anything that grew there, any weeds or grass that ate it all. And, and so we would, we, you know, we'd have to give them food and water. And, and when it would rain, that place would become really mucky. I mean, just maybe ankle deep in some places, maybe even mid-calf. And it was not easy to walk in, especially if you were a kid. And I remember walking in there, and, 
and uh, you get stuck and you couldn't even lift your foot. It was just like just holding you in like glue. And the only way to get your foot out was to pull it out of the overshoe, which meant you're going to get really messy. And your only option was just, just to wait for somebody to come along, you know, like your dad, who would pull you out and carry you over and put you on dry ground in the, in the barn. Spiritually speaking, the only real option that we have in life when we get stuck and, stuck and when we're in it really deep is to wait for the Father to call out his name and to ask him to come and pull us out and to, and to set us safely on solid ground. He turned to me, Psalm 40, and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and out of the mire. You know, God promises us in the Bible that he will not leave us. He will not forsake us. God tells us in his word, he declares to us that he will not give up on us. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Verse three, if you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness. And then King David again, the Lord is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love. You know, in a few minutes, we're going to be coming to the table for communion. And when we do, we're not to come in fear. We're not to come wondering if, if God loves me, if, if God will accept me. We are to come confidently, humbly, and gratefully, knowing that though our God is holy and just and perfect and all-powerful, he is also loving, he's compassionate, and he's patient. And he's demonstrated his love for us on the cross. That's what we celebrate when we come to the table. You might recognize the name Brennan Manning. He's an author and speaker. uh, And he's got an amazing story about how he got the name Brennan. When he was growing up, his best friend was named Ray. And he and Ray did everything together. When they were teenagers, they bought a car together. They double dated. They went to school together. They even enlisted in the army together. They went to boot camp together. They fought on the front lines together. They did everything together. And one night while they were sitting in a foxhole on the front lines, Brennan was reminiscing about the old days in Brooklyn where they grew up while Ray listened and ate a chocolate bar. But suddenly a live grenade came into the foxhole. Ray looked at Brennan. He smiled. He dropped his chocolate bar and he threw himself on the grenade. It exploded, killing Ray. But Brennan's life was spared. When Brennan became a priest, he was instructed to take on the name of a saint. And he thought of his friend, Ray Brennan. So he took on the name Brennan. Years later, he went to visit Ray's mother in Brooklyn. And they were sitting up late having tea when talking about Ray. When Brennan asked her, do you think, do you think Ray loved me? And she got up off the couch and she shook her finger in his face and she shouted, what more could he have done for you? And he said at that moment he had an epiphany. He imagined himself standing before the cross of Jesus Christ, wondering, does God really love me? And he pictured Jesus' mother, Mary, pointing to her son, saying, what more could he have done for you? The cross of Jesus Christ is God's way of doing all he could for us. And yet we often wonder, does God really love me? Am I important to him? Will he accept me? Will he reject me? Does he really care? King David knew God's unconditional love. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, Psalm 130. 
For with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Unfailing love. And not partial, not probationary, but full redemption. When we doubt God's love for us, remember his sacrifice for you through the life of his son. Let's take a look now at Isaiah 55. Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have money, no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. This past May, Nancy and I celebrated 25 years of marriage and it's been great. And I very vividly remember uh, that day in May we got married in Minnesota. It was a fairly simple ceremony and reception, but like a lot of weddings, there was still a lot of work that went into it. And like most couples, Nancy being the bride did the bulk of the wedding preparations. My job was basically to give feedback when asked and to make sure I showed up on time in a tux. You know, one of the things I did help with, however, were the invitations, specifically lipping, licking the envelopes, closing them and putting the stamps on them. That's something I could do. And, and I, I didn't mind doing it, actually. It sounds kind of mundane, but I didn't mind doing it because... I wanted our friends and family to know about this. I wanted them to be there. I wanted them to share in the joy that we had on that day. You know, God wants people to share in his joy. And he's invited us to a a feast. In fact, it's a wedding feast. Listen to what he says in verse 3. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. You will be my people, and I will be your God. You know, when we as covenant pastors are ordained, we receive a covenant book of worship, a little black book or a little red book, and it has all sorts of things that you can use for weddings and funerals and baptisms and things like that. And um, part of the wedding vows are these words, and I do promise and covenant. God's using wedding language here in Isaiah 55. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. You'll be my people and I'll be your God. He's wooing us. He's promising us that he will be faithful to us, that his love will extend to all who accept his invitation by faith in Jesus Christ. And when the God of the universe calls, and when he courts us, when he shows up on our doorstep with an invitation in hand, we are to respond. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Come, God says. You know, I don't know about you, but I've had the experience of going to the wrong place for a meeting. Have that ever happened to you? You get it wrong. You're right right time, right day, but wrong place. Um, I once did that with mochas when they were, you know, they went to the wrong mochas. uh, And and it's kind of embarrassing, but things can be rescheduled and apologies are usually received well and consequences aren't too damaging. But spiritually speaking, the stakes are much higher. We've got to make sure about going to the right place. God's invitation comes and we think, okay, I can do that. I can do the religion thing. I can go to church. I can do good deeds. I can do that. But that's not primarily what God is inviting us to. Don't get me wrong. We're called to be a part of a church fellowship. 
We're to worship together, serve, to give, to hear, learn, and apply God's word. But God is inviting us to something much more than church. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. In John 4, remember the story of the Samaritan woman? She, um, she offers Jesus water to drink on a dry, hot day. And remember how Jesus responds? He says, whoever drinks the water I give her will never thirst. God does not invite us to a place. He invites us to a person. God does not invite us to religious practice. He invites us to a growing, vibrant relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. He invites us to Jesus in whom our greatest thirst and hunger are satisfied. That's pretty radical, isn't it? The best party, best feast by far, and all you have to do to get in is to want to come, to respond. All you have to do is to come to Jesus. And there aren't any catches. Anybody is welcome. Any race, gender, nationality, age, economic, or social status, all are welcome, all are invited. We see this in Isaiah 56, the next chapter over. Let no foreigner who has bound himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let not any eunuch say, I'm only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. Jesus is calling us. He's calling you and me. No matter what we've done, no matter what we do, Jesus comes to us. He calls us, offering us grace and forgiveness, offering to help us when we're in the depths, offering us freedom, offering us love. If you ever doubt God's love for you, remember that and look at the cross. A Christian author tells the story of a a young mother who was left widowed with two young kids. And after uh, the, the husband's and the father's death, every Sunday afternoon, she and the kids would go to his graveside. And at first it was kind of painful, a little bit awkward and strange. And they'd stay for a while and then they'd leave. But after a while it became a little bit more comfortable, even comforting. They began to pack a lunch and they would eat by the gravestone, sharing stories about the man whose body lay buried below them. It became a time of celebration, of family bonding, a sacred occasion, a meal taken in memory, a grave, and the family longing to be with their loved one. Well, this morning we come to the table and it's a sacred meal. And Jesus has prepared a meal of reconciliation and of friendship, of new beginnings, of unconditional love. He sets the table. He meets us there through his Holy Spirit and he calls us to come. The meal is ready, he says. The bread is broken. The cup is filled. Come and eat and drink and taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your great love for us. There are times, Lord, in our insecurity, in our guilt and our shame, our doubts, that we, we question your love for us. But Lord, we know that even our doubts and our questions, they don't stop you from loving us. They don't remove your love from us. They don't cause you to love us less. 
Lord, we thank you that your love is demonstrated most powerfully on the cross where you poured out your, your life for us that we might be a part of your great wedding feast. Christ, the bridegroom, the church, his bride. Lord, now as we come to the table, we come so humbly and we come gratefully. But we don't come with fear. We come offering ourselves to you, knowing that you'll meet us here, knowing that you will meet our deepest needs, the things we hunger after, the things we thirst for. Father, we thank you. We pause for a moment of silence now, Lord, to offer ourselves to you, to confess any sin, to ask for your help, to commit ourselves anew to you. Father, we thank you for your promise and your word that if we confess our sin, that he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. And so, Lord, now we prepare ourselves to come. Meet us here, Lord. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.